You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Suitcase and The Scribe with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of The Suitcase and The Scribe, the podcast. When I say that, Mike, I want to say the podcast all in caps or maybe <laughs> in great big giant block letters, the podcast, The Suitcase and The Scribe. Mike McKenna in St. Louis. Mike, I could, I can barely, I could barely wait for this morning to come around because I was watching the games last night. I'm using my ESPN Plus, you know, mm-hmm. app thing, going like crazy, and uh, it, it's it was like one of those uh, carnival wheels. That wherever <laughs> you stopped, you were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that happened!" You know, there's Minnesota coming back to beat Winnipeg and Edmonton, yeah. Anaheim, and you know our pals in in Dallas, uh, led by Braden Holtby, uh, you know, beating a very good and surprisingly good Pittsburgh team, I think, without. Malkin and Crosby. What, how, how are you feeling? We're about, what are we? Uh, let's look at my calendar. Are we two weeks in? Give or take. Like how, do you feel you're in a rhythm? Is there a rhythm to the season? Do you feel you're in it? If I was playing, I'd still be swimming in the deep end right now. You know, you're two, three, four games into it, and you don't really have your bearings of who you are as a team. Because it, let's, say you're, let's say you're the Buffalo Sabres. They're 3-0 and right now. They are completely defying odds. They're probably the happiest group of guys you've ever met, you know, in this side of the border. And I think, though, that there's still going to be some circumspect in, this, in the locker room thinking, like, are we really for real? But we're kind of doing it, you know? And, and I think you get that throughout the league, you know, like teams that start off 2 1, 1 2, like you're thinking, okay, this is normal. You start to get worried if you're getting blown out or you're not performing like a Montreal or somebody. And yeah. I, I think realistically, when you've played this game long enough, you give about that first two weeks to see things settle. Yeah. You know, so you're back in your rhythm and, and talking to players this year, man, they've just, they're so happy to have had a normal training camp and they're back on the road. I mean, we saw the Sharks and the Canadians play last night. I mean, think about it. We haven't seen these teams go against one, one another in what? What are we at? Two years? I don't know the exact time frame, but it's it's been a long time since we've had the excitement of seeing teams match up. And I know the players are feeding on that. They're happy to travel. They're happy to play against other teams and just get out and have a normal season. So mm-hmm. am I in a rhythm? Kind of. Uh, but I think the players are definitely much closer to what they've experienced previously in their careers yeah. than the last several. Yeah. What's, and you know, what's funny you, 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 when you mention it and maybe you don't, you don't think of it in these terms. And we sort of got used for that brief period of time with the North division and the novelty of the Canadian teams only playing each other. But I, I watched uh, I, again, I was back and forth, but I watched a, a quite a bit of the uh, Winnipeg um, Minnesota game. And, you know, of course, last week we had Minnesota GM Bill Guerin on mm-hmm. um, and it, it, they're natural rivals. They do not like each other. And I, it came up a couple of times during the uh, broadcast last night and I was switching between the Minnesota broadcast and the Winnipeg uh, uh, Dennis Bayak, one of my favorites, uh, but doing the, the Jets broadcast. And a couple of times it came up, you know, how much these teams, because geographically closer, of course they are, mm-hmm pretty close and they don't like each other and they have some history and there was 
I mean, there was some there were some great ebbs and flows. Minnesota improbably coming back to win that game six five in overtime. The Jets blowing a lead. They won't. Paul Maurice won't be very happy about that. No. But that to your point, we're getting now the, the return of that sort of normal pattern of oh yeah, you know what? I really don't like you, yeah. and we're going to play three or four times, and I can't wait till the next time. But I, I want to circle back because you touched on the Buffalo Sabers. Um, I, I, I don't know where they rank on your pleasant surprises of the first couple of weeks, but I, I, I'm with you. Like how happy, what, what do you imagine it's like in that Sabre room? They're coming off a, 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 their third straight victory. Uh, really, a, a, you know, an impressive come from behind win over a good Vancouver team. What do you think it's like in that room after all the stuff that has been said and written about that team over the last, I don't know, 10 years or whatever? The guys in that locker room in Buffalo are looking at each other going, this is amazing. We had no expectations. Everybody thought we were going to be a doormat. Yep. Arizona and Buffalo, everybody, they're going to be so terrible. They're never going to win a game. Blah, blah, blah. And like teams are teams across the board. The parity of the players is a lot higher than people realize. Yeah. And, you know, Jack Eichel's not in the lineup. Well, maybe we're seeing the Buffalo Sabres perform without their stars for whatever reason, but they're all playing for one another and you can see the fun and enjoyment. I mean, Kyle Ocposo, it looks like this guy, where'd he cut? Where's he been the last few years? Right? Like fountain of youth material. It's unbelievable. Right. And this is a guy who could really score early in his career. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, these revitalization stories don't happen very often, Maybe it's going on there. I mean, Jeff Skinner looks like he's got some juice again. And, and, you know, even the guys that I wasn't sure could perform, Tage Thompson, where's this guy going to fit in? Now he's producing. And on top of it, Scotty. I know where you're going. You, I know you do because this, I listen, the suitcase is, it, he's a goalie. Craig Anderson. So glorious. 2-0. Dustin Tukarski's got to win as well. Everybody wrote these two guys off like they couldn't play in the National Hockey League. I don't think people realize how hard it was to play behind that Senators defense in Ottawa the last several years like Craig Anderson did under Guy Boucher. I was there with them. I played there too. We sucked defensively, and this guy put on performances that I couldn't believe. And is this going to keep going throughout the entire season? I don't know. But for the start of the year – for a guy like Craig Anderson, who's I think now seven wins away from 300 in his career, and that's a milestone that matters. Yeah. He's still hungry. Dustin Tukarski, he's Tukarski's just over 30 years old. Who's to say that he still can't reestablish himself as an NHL goaltender? This is huge for him. And, and I just I, I look at their performances and I, I across the board, man. Like this team has hungry players that are out to defy the world. It's us against them. And I actually, at this stage, and I hate to say this three games in, we have to preface everything three games <laughs> yeah, in. Of course, yeah. But I see a little bit of that misfit mentality that Vegas had their first year. Like Scott, yes. do you do you kind of feed off that when you're watching them as well? Oh my god! Well, and it, you know, we talked about that game last night against Vancouver, and I know. Oh my gosh, I, I was you know, the the honesty comes out of the losing room more often than the winning room. Yes, right? it does. Because you know, no one, no one in that Saber room is you know planning a parade. That is a savvy, savvy media opinion, Scott. You've been around, man. I know it because you're so spot on. <laughs> the losing room is that's that's where honesty lives, and I, I, Travis Green was. You know, just the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, justifiably upset. You know, this is a good, this is a, um, you know, listen, I don't know where Vancouver fits in in the Pacific. Uh, I, I like, you know, they should be right in that playoff hunt, right? They should, they should, be, they should be right at that out. middle pack. Yep. And they, that game was, they weren't controlling it necessarily, but this was a game that certainly a year ago or two years ago or whatever. My guess is that the outcome is completely the opposite. You know, Vancouver rolls 5-2, Sabres mm-hmm. put up a meager pushback, and you just move on. But instead, the Sabres outworked the Canucks, and down the stretch, the Sabres were the better team. Quick strike, they scored two in a row uh, in the third period, I believe, to, to really sort of push pull away. And Travis Green was really upset with his team. Didn't like the work ethic, didn't like his forwards, no hits, no shots. 
And I, I just love, you know, again, a tip of the hat to, to Don Granato, who comes in and coaches. Now, maybe there's no pressure to coach a team with no expectations, but, but in some ways, I think in that room, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but the challenge for Don Granato is to be in that room and to, and to create that, hey, do not listen to anything outside these walls. If you expect us to win 20 games, then maybe you should be somewhere else because I think that's the challenge in creating that. And you mentioned the mm-hmm. misfits at the Vegas Golden Knights had in that first year. Uh, that's the challenge for Don Granato. And I just, I'm so pleased he's getting this opportunity and I'm so pleased that he's, he's getting some early success and what that's a, such a great town and a great fan base. And Oh my God, have oh, they yeah. been kicked around for the last decade. So <laughs> now I, I just want to mention last night, Announced attendance. Where is it? I my, my handy dandy note. Seven thousand three hundred and seventy six capacities mm-hmm. over nineteen thousand. So listen, this is the reality. Hey, it's the reality of COVID. Fans coming back. What's you know what? What's the comfort level for people to come back? But it's also it's it's a real stark reminder in a market like Buffalo that if you don't take care of your team. Even you know it's going. It will take time to repair that. And so, as great a story as it is, um, and I'm sure those seven thousand plus fans got their money's worth last night. But it's going to take a while for for that team to repair the damage to that fan base. Hundred percent. You know, they're the fans aren't going to be outside suplexing one another under tables like they are at the Bills games until it's midway through the year, and the Sabers are in the playoff picture. So again, we got to temper our thoughts here, but it does show you the importance of treating your fans the right way. There's been a disconnect there. I have a lot of really close friends in Buffalo that just feel like they've been trashed, you know, that they haven't been taken care of, that ownership hasn't cared about them. That's the feeling that they project. And, and the performance on the ice just mirrors that it's been dysfunctional. And, you know, at some point, Maybe the players can change that. So uh, I'm excited for Buffalo just from the start of the year. If nothing else, it's given some hope to people. And, and man, if they do start to win, that 7,000 is going to go to 17 pretty quickly if they, yeah. if they keep it going. Because ultimately, people just want to see winners. No matter how much they've been kicked around, if the team's winning, they're going to show up in the building. And, uh, you know, Scott, I'm, I'm wondering, looking around the league here, maybe a, a positive surprise for you. There's some good ones to pick. You know, Pittsburgh is off to a nice start. Um, you know, I, I look around the league and I think, okay, wow, Washington's done well, but maybe not as surprising, but maybe another team that I think too is Detroit at two Oh and one. So Scott, do you have any picks on teams that have given you a little bit of a lift in your spirits? Yeah, no, I think, uh, and there are a couple of them. Can I just, I want to stop. Just, I want to talk about Buffalo. Just one quick sec. Okay. Is there a place in Buffalo for you? What's your, what's your go-to place in Buffalo? Oh man. Like it's everybody always goes to like. Jays or anchor bar. Like I don't have a go-to there. I didn't spend enough time. And I know you probably have one though. Cause this is, this is bitterly divided territory in Buffalo on your preference for pizza, for wings. Yeah. I, you know, the spots you've got an inside track. Sabres make a surprise run to the playoffs. We're going to have to, we'll get Frank on the phone. And after we lay waste to Vegas at all-star, we'll take the subscribe (laughs) to Buffalo and we'll go to the Swanee house. It's a nice walk down from the rink. So, but anyway, I'm in. um, So you mentioned, you mentioned Detroit and I, I, I'll give you another team that I've been pleasantly surprised by, but what, what do you like? I, I like Detroit because you know, this is, this is Steve Eiserman at work here, quiet. It's everything is low key. There's not a splashy thing. And yet, you know, I like, what's the timetable do you think? And, and, and maybe, you know, what, what do we, what do you like of what you've seen in the Red Wings so far? I think the timetable is quicker than people realize. Yeah. And it just has shades of what Steve Eiserman did with the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. I was there previous year to Steve Eiserman coming in and taking things over uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning organization. It was dysfunctional, completely dysfunctional. <laughs> um, we, we, we just, man, we went through three different payroll providers. The season I was there in 08, nine money's getting shuffled around. We sold off every player we possibly had at the trade deadline. Yes. Um, and as a goal, you can imagine what that's like when you see Mark Recchi go out the door, when you see, I mean, just everybody left and it's like mass exodus and we're dressing guys out of college on ATOs and you're just going, Oh man, what did I get myself into? This is my first year in the national league and, and this is it. But uh, you know, he came in. And within, 
I want to say three years, maybe four, their American League team won a Calder Cup. Yep. John Cooper ends up being the coach of the Lightning. They've been to the finals. They've been deep. How many times they finally break through, they win. I know it took them almost the better part of, what, seven, eight years to finally get that cup. But they were a contender within three, four, five years of him taking over. And not just a middle pack team, a contender, a real legit contender. Uh, and he has a way of building out smart hockey clubs that, like you said, they don't make splashes. They're not going for the big prize. They're building a culture and they're getting the right people in place. Yeah. And, you know, and good draft picks. You can't pit, you cannot miss on draft picks. And, you know, you look at Moritz Sider. I've loved watching him. There's going to be ups and downs to his game. It's his first year. He's coming across. But this guy's pretty legit, man, for a D at his age to come in and, and produce right away. Like, I really like his game. Uh, and I just, I look at the culture they're building. You know, you've got people in place that are high quality players. Um, and on top of that, they're playing as a team. Yeah. And they've got goaltending. Thomas Grice, way under the radar good. Yeah. Alex Nedeljkovic, just basically thrown away by Carolina for nothing. Yeah. And and this is a guy who I think Scott could carry that team for the next decade. And there's more coming in. I mean, Detroit's made some nice high picks in the goaltending department too. Yeah. It's coming for them. And I think it's going to be two, three years that we're going to be talking about the Red Wings potentially knocking on that door. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see. And, you know, like a lot, there was, I think certainly Eiserman had at some point in his short tenure as a GM in Detroit, if he decided to move on from Jeff Blashill, no one would have batted. And not right. Yeah, not. I thought this was one of the most interesting things he's done is staying with Jeff Blashill. Yeah, and I think you know I, I like Jeff Blashill a lot. I think he's a, he's so cerebral. He's a very smart guy. He mm-hmm. hasn't had a lot to work with. Who knows where he fits in long term or big picture when this team turns that corner? And I, I think you're right. Is it two years? Whenever it is, when they turn that corner and the expectations become all right, you should be in the playoffs and you should be able to challenge you know, get, get back on the horse that we saw them ride for so long. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that Steve Eisenman continues to give Blash, Jeff Blashill an opportunity to develop those kids. And who knows that organization better, right? He said the kids come and go and he's seen a lot of turnover in that roster. I like that he's getting a chance and who, who knows how it turns out. But I like the idea mm-hmm. that he's getting a taste of this early on. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I, here, so here's the one I, I'm curious. And I, because I watched and I watched this pretty closely last night as well. And I, I did, would not have seen this coming. Uh, when we first started, to, we first started our podcast, and we made reference to the Dallas Stars. At one point during training camp, had four legitimate NHL goaltenders <laughs> on the ice. What was going to happen? You know, Jake Ottinger's in uh, in Texas now in, in the American Hockey League, and he's going to be a good goaltender, I think. But that's still left Anton Hudobin, Ben Bishop, and Braden Holpe, who I assumed was sort of the insurance policy, the outside man in that quad or the trio once Jake Ottinger was getting sent down. But Braden Holby very quickly has become the man. He was terrific last night. I'm just looking at his numbers here. Got his first win last night in the shootout, 2-1 over Pittsburgh. 947 save percentage, 175 GAA. I know it's early. Got his first mm-hmm. win. But he has been outstanding. And, and Rick Bonus seemed to make no bones about the fact, if I can use that term, bones <laughs> about bones. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I'll be here all week. Braden Holby <laughs> was his guy. And I wonder, like, did, did you see that coming in? in what do you make of that? I am surprised by it um, in ways that it's rare to see a goalie come in from the outside and take over a crease right away. Yeah. But Braden Holdeby carries some swag with him. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's uh, he's had a great a career of yeah. as in a trophy. Uh, I mean, he's he's been fantastic over the course of his career. I didn't like his last two seasons. Yeah. Like, frankly, I thought he looked complacent in the net. I didn't see that hunger and that fire that I saw out of him when he came from Hershey in the American league, when he was, I mean, he was out of control when he first came came in, like he was so athletic. He was all over the place and they brought his game. They reined it in. They made him very consistent. They made him compact. They made him play within structure. And a lot of that was credit to um, goalie coach, Scott Murray, Mitch Korn being in Washington. When they came in, they really adapted his game to, uh, to what the modern standard is. 
but I felt like he kind of got lost for a while there in Wash. And I, you know, last year going to Vancouver again, it's not easy to walk in and be the guy. And Thatcher Demko ended up taking over. That had to be a real wake up call for Braden Holtby that, Hey, I'm just 30 years old, just over 30 years old. And I still have life ahead of me in the NHL, but man, I got to work for it. And probably the best thing that happened to him was getting to work with Ian Clark in Vancouver Yeah, and adding even more structure and detail to his game and having a lot of practice time. Thatcher Demko's playing, and, and you saw it late in the year. Holpe started to play much better as the season progressed in Vancouver. Now, they weren't good defensively, so it wasn't a good environment. But he came in and knocked the doors down in, in training camp in Dallas. That's what you heard constantly from players and media and, and talking about, hey, this guy looks like he's got a burr under his saddle. He's playing well. And again, we're only two games in the regular season, but I see that fire again. You know, I, I just I feel like there's a hunger there. And Dallas is a good team. When you walk into that locker room and when Holpe looks around, it's not like Vancouver. He's walking in a locker room that he knows this team has the skill that we should contend. We should be winners. And he's been a part of that before. And I don't think that you can undersell the leadership aspect that comes with that from a goaltender. And then you still got Hudobin. Hudobin is a great 1B goaltender. He really is. And I think it's probably going to help him. It's going to let him feed a little bit off of his game. Ottinger's a year away. He'll be there next year. I have no doubt in my mind about that. That's what I think is going to happen Um, because they believe in him. They just want Ottinger to get reps. They want him to play, to carry the mail so that when he comes to the NHL, he can take that big 6-4 frame and run with it. But Braden Holpe is going to make that hard on him if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, it's great. And I, I spent a lot of time around Washington over the years and playoffs and the playoff run and, and uh, spent some time with Braden Holby and his dad and he's a former goaltender as well. Yeah. And like, it's just, he's a real, he's a real thinker. And I'm, I, I, I'm with you entirely. I think he fits nicely. I didn't see that this would have, you know, how it's unfolding again, it's early, but uh, I'm pleased that he has found his way back um, because you're right. I mean, things in that last season in Washington, again, that's hard because, you know, in your contract year, you, you just I mean, you, he knew that there wasn't a place for him moving forward. Right. I mean, it's the reality of the cap. And he so that's a hard thing. Right. He grew up with that team, won a cup there. You know, I mean, his epic coming off the bench after missing the you're not not missing. He was benched for the first two games. Yeah, Philip Grubauer started the first two Philip games. Grubauer, that. Exactly. Yep. So anyway, good to. Good to see you. He's a good man, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Dallas uh, works out there. Now, when you and I were trading texts leading up to the taping, and we were talking about topics, and I, I am a glass is half full guy, but almost all of my topics were teams that suck or you know <laughs> things that were going wrong. But and so we do have to we were going to do a little shift about here. So if if you look at teams now, uh, and there are probably three or four where, you know, the panic level is now, it's not even creeping. It's, it's on a huge, it's a rocket ship arc up. It's a fever pitch, man. (laughs) Where where do you think the greatest moment, where's the greatest panic level in the NHL this morning? Oh man, there's, there's two teams and I don't know which one it's worst for, whether it's Chicago or Montreal. Yes. People in Chicago, Jeremy Colleton, they're screaming about Jeremy Colleton. Well, does anybody looked at their decor? (laughs) Like, I thought their decor is going to be okay, actually. I didn't. I had no confidence in their decor. I, and I don't think that just trotting out Seth Jones for 35 minutes a night was going to fix things. That was my belief. And I guess I've been kind of right so far, which is it's, it's a good feeling, but it's not a good feeling. Think about those guys in Chicago. And I, I just, it's been calamity after error, after mental mistake, People falling in the neutral zone, pizzas up the middle. Marc Andre Fleury looked completely exasperated after last night. Yeah. And he's not getting any help. And you can see his confidence when he's making initial saves isn't there. He's been beat a couple times clean by shots that to me, I think in his past, when he knew that his D were going to take care of the backside and give him some support, he wouldn't be second guessing his positioning or his save selection. It's just spiraling there. Yeah. And you can't just plug in a D and a goalie and think this is different. And that's what I felt about Chicago going into this season. People gave him a lot of hope. 
Yeah. Goalies are not magic bullets, man. I've been there before. They think that you bring this guy in, he's going to fix everything. No, like they need D. They need D that can play the game defensively and not just be analytics darlings. You got to defend. So I, I, it's Chicago's a mess to me. The number of passes that went across the Royal road, as we call it, like through the middle of the ice last night was gross. Uh, and I don't know how that's going to change the Royal Royal road. I've never heard that. We can thank Steve Valaket for that one. Um, and Steve Valaket's done some amazing stuff. First, he's a great analyst with MSG. Uh, but he also is, has his own analytics firm that's doing things. Uh, I believe it's called ClearSight analytics for his group, but, uh, yeah, they, they kind of came up with that term Royal road and it's basically passes that go across the middle of the ice in your defensive zone. That's the simplest way to put it. Um, but that's how most goals are scored in the NHL. Like the great majority of them have movement and they're not on the stick blade for more than a split second. They're right. on and off the stick blade. Yeah. Those two things create those goals. Yeah. I, I, Chicago's fascinating to me because, you know, when you sign Seth Jones to the, the Whopper deal, I, I get it. You know, I, I admit my own biases here. I know analytically his numbers have been way off the last couple of years in Columbus. Listen, I, I want Seth Jones on my team every single day. I agree. I had zero problem. You know, people got, you know, twisted in knots when he was one of the first three U.S. players named to the Beijing team. Come get over that. Like I, he's, he's going to be on that team. And in fact, he, you know, if he, a letter in my, I have all kinds of time for Seth Jones. So, but when you bring him in, when you acquire Mark Andre Fleury, and Mark decides after some this you know, whatever decision making process yeah. he went through that he's coming to Chicago, is this worth it for me? Yeah, that's what it, he literally was saying to himself: is Is this worth it for me? Chicago had to sell it to him that we're going to put a competitive team on the ice. Yeah. Well, and, and now the expectation. You see, the last year Blackhawks were kind of warm and fuzzy, right? They play in that you know modified central. Uh, you know, Jeremy Colleton was getting all this praise, P.S. Suter and um, Kevin Lankin. In. There were a lot of kids who came in and, and showed and they hung around and they hung around. And then, you know, it, but I, so I think the expectation, it's natural to expect this team to be maybe more competitive than they really can be. But that's life. And mm-hmm. Jeremy Colleton better figure it out because they're 0-3 and 1. They have a minus nine uh, goal difference. It's the only scored eight goals, you know, Jonathan Tays, you know, whatever he's going through and coming back, he's got zero points. Uh, This is a team in turmoil because now all of a sudden people are saying, well, Hey, I thought you were supposed to be good. Right. And so that, that creates pressure. But I want to ask you before we move on to the other team in despair, despair land, as I like to call it. um, it, Mark andre Fleury is such an interesting guy, right? It's contract year, Vezina trophy uh, winner, like if this continues to go bad in Chicago, is there, do you see him going? I, everyone has always drawn that line and return to Pittsburgh. Although, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Tristan Jari was so good last night. I know. Um, it, what do you think? Like if you're, if you're Marc-Andre Fleury, if, if man, you don't, this is going to be hard. If, if this is what your season is going to be like, and you're not going somewhere else, or do you think sooner than later, we start to hear, okay, let's find a new home for Marc-Andre Fleury. For a guy who's never been traded in season, imagine that. And family means everything to Mark Andre. You know, that was the biggest decision was leaving Vegas where he expected to finish his career, potentially live after when he was done. Still owns a piece of property out there. He might, but he sold his house. Yeah. And to go to Chicago, I, I don't know. I, I look at that scenario and I think, I can't imagine him wanting to be traded mid-season to go away from his family. But then again, how much can you take but when you get to January if it's not improved at all? And you don't want to finish a career like that. You know, I can't see Mark Andre taking this season if it doesn't go well and going, that's it, I'm done, I'm walking away, I can't do this. He's way too much of a competitor for that. Like, yeah. it, he wants to win, he wants to compete, he wants to, you know, not just cups, but win totals. Like, they don't mean everything, but that's just your inner fire is to be competitive. There's yeah. nothing worse than going out on a losing note. And to me, he's still got years ahead of him. I, I mean, this guy is an absolute thoroughbred. He's in phenomenal shape. That's not a question. It's just whether he's on a team that can win again. And yeah, we're all drawing lines to Pittsburgh. I know, but there's, a, there's plenty of other teams in the league that could win and could use his services. Yeah. And right now, that's wasted talent in Chicago. So I don't know where this goes. I don't know if he would be okay with a trade-in season. I think Chicago would definitely, especially after everything that's gone through it, 
I can't imagine them trading him without going, giving it the rubber stamp. Right. Um, yes. But man, like next season though, I'd say see you later, Chicago. <laughs> if that's the way it keeps going. Um, but again, we're still, Hey, we do say this. We are only a couple games. We don't know what's going to happen. Everything's the caveat. We don't yeah. know what's going to happen, Scott. Well, I, I can, I, I will say this with certainty <laughs> that Thursday night's game in Montreal, uh, where the Carolina hurricanes two and all, uh, come in to face the O and four Montreal. Look, I've got my little notes here. O and four minus 12 goal differential. They yeah. have scored three goals. Uh, so I, okay. I, we talked about the, the panic level. I just can't imagine now, especially with Carolina coming to town and what happened in the off season with Kotkiniemi and the offer sheet and all those kinds of things. I'm like, I didn't, I, I didn't know what to expect from Montreal, but that team, I think, I think they are, they're worse than Chicago and Chicago is not very good right now. I, I just, I, I don't know um, what Dominic Ducharme does. I, I think the whole issue now with um, Mark Bergman not being extended, the, you know, his GM you know, contract set to expire at the end of this coming yeah. That that has turned very quickly into a rather giant tire fire. We sat here two weeks ago and talked about, I like this team. This is a good <laughs> team. And, man, this is one that I feel like I totally I made note of on. that, by the way. I, Mike likes yeah. Montreal. I made note of that. So, And here's the thing. I still kind of like that roster. Yeah. I really do. But I think in retrospect, man, they're missing Corey Perry. Yeah, They're missing the worm. Like that was the one person in that room. I felt aside from Shea Weber that really was able to grab a situation when necessary. You know, remember last year in playoffs when they trotted him out after he'd taken a puck or a stick to the faces. I mean, he looked like his face looked like chewed bubble gum and he comes out of the locker room bleeding everywhere to congratulate the guys on a win. Exactly. This is what it takes. And there's that that's not there. Um, And Weber out is, probably bigger than I thought, but man, Dano is, that's the one that I underestimated even more. Like yeah. Dvorak is fine. He's a good player, but Dano does everything well. And, and when you need to win a face off, when you need to shut down in your defensive zone, he was the guy going over the boards yeah. and that's not happening in Montreal right now. Yeah. And, and I've watched those games and I just think, this is team looks lost right now. And I didn't expect that. I thought they had enough in that room with, with Anderson and, and some of the other players that Bully and they, Jeff yeah, Petrie yeah. is like, I can't put my finger on the pulse, you know, like Suzuki and Caulfield. I, I I'm sure they're going to get going. I have no doubt. They're way too good of players not to, but they're young, you know, and, and it's easy to get in your own head when you're young like that. So I'm not sure. I don't think the Bergevin thing plays into the locker room at all. It's definitely created problems in the marketplace, though. And that's what you're going to hear endlessly. It just creates question marks. Question marks suck in hockey, man. Like, you're really going to go locked down. We just talked about Steve Eiserman. There's no question marks there. And it's easy when your team doesn't have expectations. Yeah. But Montreal has expectations. And they're missing Carey Price, which to me isn't as big a factor as the Weber and the Perry. And But, you know, Jake Allen's just getting killed. And he's got nothing behind him. Yeah. I mean, and I, that's not a slag on Samuel Montembeau, but Samuel Montembeau's unproven at the NHL level. You know, he had a chance with Florida, didn't really grab it. Like he's still young, but like if you're if you're Jake Allen, you're just going, oh man, here we go again. Like I got to do my best. All yeah. I can do is my best, and yeah. that's a tough position to be in for a goaltender. Well, and and that division now is interesting because you know Detroit is early surprise. We talked about Buffalo. Like if you're again, yeah, Ottawa's two and one. Yes. I mean, they like, beat the Leafs. They beat Dallas. <laughs> yes. No, I, it, it, but if you're Montreal and you're thinking, you know, you've got to preach patience. And certainly if you're Dominic Duchamp, you've got to, you know, Mike Hoffman's just coming back. There's, mm-hmm. there's still lots to like about that team, I think. But I agree. The, 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 it's getting, what is that to saying? It's, it's getting early in Montreal. And, and, and that's, not a, that's not a marketplace where patience abounds, right? Just no. doesn't. So. It doesn't in any of those markets. I, just touching on that game last night, I, did you see the cross-check fest between Hoffman and Carlson? These <laughs> no, two I, went back. They went at it again. And 
There's history here dating back yes. to Otto, and we're talking deep-rooted history. This is one of the few times where two players generally can't they they hate each other. Yeah. And I, I <laughs> you don't see that often, right? And Carlson refused to fight Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman's not a fighter. He doesn't fight anybody. No. And Carlson refused to fight him last year. He refused to fight him again last night. Instead, he cross-checked him. And it's like <laughs> Mike Hoffman is is probably out like probably $15 million purely due to accusations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his reputation suffered from accusations and Carlson's scot-free basically, you know, and that's imagine the animosity you have from the Hoffman camp there. Yeah. And then he won't fight you. And it's just, I think that that dynamic is insane in today's (laughs) world in the NHL. I'd had that circled and I'm not surprised by what happened, but Man, like to see that last for a couple of years, Scott, like you've covered this for a long time. Have you seen two players that kind of in a similar situation like that really in the last 10 years? Yeah, no. And it's funny, you know, every once in a while you'll, <clears throat> and uh, it's jogged a distant memory for me about, you know, something that percolates, whether it was in the locker room, off season, some sort of slight or something that had nothing to do with the actual game and guys just going every time they played each other would yeah. fight and, and find, you know, being twigged to it. And it's like, Oh, okay. That guy hates that guy because of that. But yeah. this is, and now I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go back and watch the highlights. So, all right. I'm, I'm not, we're not done yet because this is going to be a great, good segue into another topic uh, when we get back. But I do want to mention our sponsor DoorDash. DoorDash is the proud sponsor of the nation network of podcasts, restaurants, and more delivered right to your door. Did you have DoorDash this last week, Pop? Oh, not this week, but did we ever the week before? <laughs> Big order. Yeah, it was busy, busy week in the McKenna family. And that's when DoorDash comes in handy. <laughs> Good stuff. Anyway, so it, it, we, it, we were talking teams, disappointing, surprising. Uh, I've been impressed, frankly, early on by the uh, San Jose Sharks. And that's a team I had, man, there's so much going on with that team. And of course, this week, the announcement that Evander Kane, who had not been present at all uh, for a variety of reasons during training camp and wasn't expected to start the season, but now suspended by the NHL for 21 games uh, for using a false vaccination card. Uh, yet another black mark against Evander Kane and a whole litany of um, allegations and missteps by this young player. Um, and, and I and I spent the last day or so making calls, trying to get some clarity on, okay, so what happens next? I mean, 21 games. So that comes back. I think it's January, if I'm not mistaken. But so he's going to miss, um, you know, more than a quarter of the season. Um, but he's still under contract. The San Jose Sharks was their most um, uh, prolific offensive player a year ago. I'm curious, like, what, what do you, how can you imagine a scenario where he can back into that locker room this notion that and i know it's out there that somehow the sharks could move to void his contract based on his his off ice uh, behavior and the mistakes that he's obviously he's admitted to he's not challenging or appealing this suspension he's in counseling i had an agent who said well you can't you can't double punish him right so you, you can't serve 21 games and then the sharks somehow try and void the contract but i i don't i don't know the answer to that but i wonder in your mind can you imagine a scenario where evander came walks back into that sharks room especially if what if they're in what if they're in you know in the in the hunt maybe it shouldn't matter if they're lousy or if they're good but what? it does sense it's my sense is they're happy without him and, yeah. and the play seems to reflect that if they're in the hunt without him, why do you want them? Yeah. That's how I look at it. And I'm looking at this realistically. Everybody around the league's going, how dumb is this guy? Like, I, that sounds so harsh. I get it. But it's like, how many chances and how many times can you screw up in different ways? Yeah. Like, we're not even just talking like one thing that's a problem that you need help about. It's like, it's everything. And it's happened for years. Yeah. And like how many times can you, can you get on your phone and write a note and then send it to the NHLPA lawyers to let them clean it up and make it sound better and try to make you look good that you're suddenly going to fix things. How many chances do you need? 
listen, I am not, I am not a like one and done cancel culture guy that you just start throwing people away at all. I think people deserve second chances. I don't think they deserve five chances. Yeah. If I'm an NHL general manager, I want nothing to do with Evander Kane. Yeah. If I'm a player in the league, unless I'm probably his best friend, which I don't know how many of those are left. I, I, how can you trust a guy Yeah. to be a teammate? How can you try? Like, yeah, I think you can trust him on the ice, Scott, because he's always produced on the ice. That yeah. part's true. But when you go on the road and you just wonder, what's he doing tonight? You know, where is he now? Yeah. These are the real questions that are asked. And it's a yeah. massive distraction. And you just wonder, maybe there was more to this the last couple of years that it factored in more than people would think. Yeah. I don't know how he comes back to that locker room. I mean, Mike Richards got tossed away by LA for off ice stuff, his yeah. contract, everything. I know that was a settlement thing, but like, there's ways out of contracts and there are clauses in there saying you've got to live up to standards. You know, yeah. if you want to fight it out in court, you could do that. But it's just, it's exasperating because it, it's almost, I know everybody in life has, has struggles. They have problems. You have things we have to work through. Yeah. But I also know how hard I had to work to get my chances in the national hockey league, Scott. Yeah. And every single year, just, busting my ass to get those two or three games call-ups where I'd wear the backup towel and maybe not even play a game and what that meant to me. And yeah. to see him continually just make bad decision after bad decision and then trot out the apology tour. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of like, I'm not in that room or anything, but it's almost like insulting to us who have worked that hard to get there, you know? And that's the reality call that people need. You need to hear that. You can't be coddled and say, I'm just going to be better. And but like, you need to see reaction. So I don't know how he plays in that locker room. I don't know how that messaging goes down if they let that happen. I don't know who takes a chance, man. I don't. I really yeah. don't. It's that's a yeah. It's and uh, you know it, at some point you know you wonder how often Doug Wilson sits in his office and, and you know wishes that you could do the do over because yeah. ultimately made a decision that he would rather have Evander Kane. Um, on a longer term deal than Joe Pavelski. And of course, Joe Pavelski ends up in, uh, in Dallas and leads the stars to a Stanley cup final two years ago. And for my mind should be on the U S Olympic team. And you could totally put a agree on him you. if you wanted to, totally but agree. it's, it is an organizational error. And now you, there, there are lots of questions about how the organization has handled things. But I think the big question then is what happens at the end of the suspension? We won't know till later, but, um, and, and the other news this week. And so, I mean, it's just so hard. It was hard at the beginning. And then um, with the fallout, with the, the passing of Jimmy Hayes and I, we all toss around words like brave and those kinds of things, but I thought it was incredibly brave for uh, Jimmy Hayes wife and his and Jimmy Hayes family um, to, to publicly share the, some of the elements of, of his cause of death and involve cocaine and fentanyl. And uh, it just, um, boy, it, it makes you stop in your tracks. And I talked to a number of players and, and executives this week about, uh, you know, the kind of message that sends and, and the, just how people really truly pay attention to this and that this is a problem for the NHL and it's yeah. a problem for the NHLPA and, and, I know that they're, they are not turning a blind eye to this, but that was a very sobering um, report and, and sharing of information from Jimmy Hayes' family. And I wonder, you know, what you make of that, because you, you know the culture of, uh, within the, the game and, and to have the courage, I'll use that term again, to, to come out and say, this is really what happened to Jimmy Hayes. Were you surprised by it or what, what did you think of that? I'm not surprised because the culture now has opened up so more, much more uh, to being honest about what's happening in life and the struggles that we have and knowing that telling your real story can make a big difference. And the problem, like what makes this really tough for everybody beyond that is, it's, I mean, Robin Leonard blew the door open on this what, two weeks ago. And you just wonder what direction this has been with, with Jimmy. You know, and I think when Jimmy passed, we all just went, oh, man, like first it was a gut punch because he's a really well-liked player person um, in a lot of leagues. People like this guy, you know, and, and locker rooms. And I think we all looked at it when we all just went, oh, God, please don't be something. Don't be, don't be drugs, please. Like, that's what we all did. Because yeah. that's where we're at when somebody passes at, you know, 31 years old. 
that's not normal. You know, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't happen is what we look at it like. And, you know, coming from Massachusetts, it's been inundated with heroin and other things like that's the first thing through people's minds. And yep. lo and behold, it, it was, you know, cocaine with fentanyl and it's hard to take. And, you know, Jimmy played a lot of NHL games. He played American League games, was a great player at Boston College. He didn't finish his career in the NHL which makes me wonder how much the NHLPA is going to really get involved in this because they tend to flush players away if you don't finish there. Um, and I don't know what they can do. But the culture now is it's out there. Like everybody knows that pills were flying around like crazy. And we kind of have to ask ourselves the question, are we okay with players missing games? Right? Because that's right. always out there. This guy won't play through pain. He won't play through injuries. This guy's soft. This guy's that. Well, Okay. You can say that, but the next time somebody dies because they've been addicted to pills and, and are you okay with that? Like, do we not all have a little bit of ownership in what's happened because of that culture that we've created? Yeah. And that's, that's a struggle. That's a struggle for players. It's a struggle for, I mean, think about the athletic trainers, Scott, like there are the athletic trainers in hockey and in sports in general are just some of the best, most caring people out there. Yeah. No question. They want to do the best thing for their players for, and they, they want them healthy. They want them to feel good. They want them to be able to perform. And they've been backed into a hard place because it, a lot of times it's the players that are desiring this to play, yeah. you know, and, and I just feel like they're in the crosshairs as much as anyone here. And I don't know how deserved that is. You know, I don't think they are just walking around candy man going, Hey, here's some pills. Take the pills. It's good time. No, like there's a reason why they've been handed out. Um, has it been reckless at times? Yeah, I do think so. Yeah. But if anything, like these stories are what's going to help clean it up. They're going to help people that, you know, not just in the moment when it comes to handing pills out, but just to help people frankly, get their lives in order when they become addicted, which anybody can, it happens. Yeah. You see the strongest people in the world become addicted to these things. Yeah. So, I mean, Scott, it's just, it's the saddest thing and, and we hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately it's like, it's like anything in life. Like it probably will. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. I, I'm with you on the whole, again, the, 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 maybe sound trade, but to me, the dialogue is so critical to this that it can't, it can't just be a story that gets told in a bar at night or in the corner of a locker room or wherever it is. And, and maybe, you know, again, the fact that, that Jimmy Hayes family felt it was important enough to say, we're not, we're not, we're not going to hide behind this because mm -hmm. this was real for us. So, you know, again, hate to be Pollyannish about something that is so serious, but I, right. maybe the, the dialogue is, is the is the first step to to having a much more candid discussion about whether it's load management or a different approach to uh, you know how, helping players get better without having to rely on these. So yeah. um, before we close, we're getting towards the end of to, uh, the suitcase and the scribe this week. But once again, lots of things going on with players who who won't be in the lineup for uh, a variety of reasons, certainly injuries. And, you know, Nikita Kucherov, I feel, I, I know, listen, people, he sort of became this uh, through no fault of his own, but this idea that he is somehow it, and it, you know, an injury meme or something like that. <laughs> missing just, all last year. He's just a playoff guy. Up as the best player on the best skater on the planet. But the, it's like the Illuminati are just like putting them away until playoffs or something. I you know, know. <laughs> there's this like secret <laughs> order in society that just says Tampa Bay is going to screw everybody with the long-term IR, put him on. This like, is a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, and, and, uh, you know, so Tampa's, uh, there's been some, you know, it hasn't been an exactly smooth start for the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, but missing the key Kucherov. Listen, anytime the best skater in the world or one of the top two or three skaters in the world is not on your ice, it's a bad thing, but I feel badly for him. But there are lots of, this you know, Vegas is still, yeah. you know, oh, Max Patrati gone for weeks. And now I see Mark Stone is somewhere between day to day and week to week. Which yeah. Is Mark Stone's out a little while. He's not out. He's not going to be back in the lineup in three days. 
that's not, yeah. he's not day to day. So I, I look at the injury bug around the league and, um, and even COVID protocol, you're still missing a guy for 10 days. Like Wheeler in, in Winnipeg, Wheeler like there's Winnipeg, a team, yes. there's a team that needs to get going too. And they're missing their top player in Blake Wheeler. Um, I think that Tampa Bay will be fine without Kucherov. I just look at the player aspect thinking I worked so hard to rehab and here I am out of the lineup again, but the caveat is that you've just won two Stanley Cups and maybe you can go for a third. Tampa started off slow last year as well and kicked it into gear by December. I don't think they're too worried right now. Um, You know, but I look at like even Jersey, you know, Jack Hughes last night with a shoulder injury that again, we're in the, he'll be reevaluated stage, but I I like Jersey, man. Uh, This team's two and Oh, I don't think they're going to trend towards being a cup contender, but they might knock on the door of playoffs if they keep doing well. And they've got talent. Hughes was playing with all kinds of swag. Game winner, OT, chuck a stick in the stands. Like he's been feeling the flow, doing the bull dance, and now he's out. Uh, you hope it's not long. Yeah. You know, Mike Smith goes down with an injury in Edmonton. Peter Mrazik's out in Toronto. Yeah. Chris Dreger's out in Seattle. Like, you know, we're looking around the league going, who's it going to be? Who's going to be able to absorb this the best? Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh's 2-0-2 with Gensel, Malkin, Crosby out of the lineup first night. You know, Crosby and Malkin will be coming back at some point. But I think people didn't believe in Pittsburgh. I didn't really believe in Pittsburgh, honestly. And you mentioned it earlier. Tristan Jari's played well. But they've also done – they've insulated and they've been able to create. So, uh, and Scott, when you're looking around the league, are you are you picking any team here that you're worried about the injuries – putting them in a bind going forward. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I think your point is, is, is excellent. And it's, it is, you know, how is your team built to absorb these kinds of body blows? And like, no, no team should have a plan that says, okay, if we don't have hall of famers, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, uh, here's our plan and we're going to be okay. But I, I, Pittsburgh has been one of those surprising teams. I am surprised at how much they've been able to generate. And, um, you know, I just credit to Mike Sullivan there, but yep. I, I think I'm, I am, I'm curious to see how the Toronto goaltending situation uh, unfolds and it will bleed beautifully into our final topic. <laughs> but uh, listen, Jack Campbell continues to be for me, one of the great, great stories uh, of the NHL. It was a terrific story last year, basically coming out of nowhere to assume the number one job there when Freddie Anderson got hurt and, and they built that, you know, the, he's, he's their guy, no question. But with Peter Mrazek out now with a groin injury, um, you know, Michael Hutchinson is back up as the backup. I don't know. That's, I, I, I just, I, I'm not sure I'm a believer yet in the depth there. It's a lot to, I think, to ask a Campbell who still hasn't carried the mail for a full season at the NHL level. He, man, he performed, he played so well the other night. Like I was really he's impressed so with Campbell. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I've seen him at his worst when he was in a mental fog and couldn't get his way out of things in the minors in Texas years ago. And then in Dallas and uh, how he's turned his career around is amazing. Is he ready for the big stage, the biggest stage without some support, you know, and Michael Hutchinson's, I, I don't know why that works in Toronto because Hutch has been there before and he's been the scapegoat and he's been, been, he's been, you know, the, the doll that gets the needles, right? Like the hex doll. Like, I, I honestly, I'm not sure why Hutch wanted to go back, frankly, like to Toronto, maybe he just loves it, but I'm worried about that there as well. I really am. I'm worried about the pressure of that situation um, and not having a little bit of support because I'd, I'd like to see Campbell grow to that one, a true number one role with Mrazic still there. I did like that, that tandem yeah. effect. I'm not sure I believed in them playoff time just yet, but over the course of the year, it could have grown on me. Right. (laughs) So, but man, Scott, they dressed an emergency back. They dressed a kid out of, out of, out of college hockey in Canada as their backup on an ATO. Now, mind you who they did dress. um, Alex Bishop, Alex Bishop. Thank you. Quebec league experience, Quebec major junior hockey league. Yeah. He's played high level hockey. Yeah. I mean, could he go in and not make a fool of himself? Absolutely. Could he go in and play well? Yeah, that might actually happen too. But this is a National Hockey League here, and you're dressing a guy on an ATO as your backup, and it's just purely because of cap reasons. Well, 
I tell you what, I got a solution for this. And I, I know everybody's, I know everybody, I know everybody's out there going, well, screw the Leafs. They didn't manage the cap well. And, and, you know, screw Vegas that they had to play 16 or 15 players against the Colorado Avalanche in the most important game last season. And they got they lost and lost the president's trophy because of it. But you're, those teams are willing to play up to the cap. And sometimes you play with fire. Yep. But realistically for the Leafs, man, this was one game that they dressed a, dressed a guy on an ATO yep. with the cap. It's one game. It gets blown hugely out of proportion. But my solution, and I wrote about this for Daily Faceoff a couple of weeks ago, is to, and this would take work between the NHLPA and the NHL. You'd have to rewrite the CBA. I envision a bullpen catcher. I yeah. envision a number three goaltender that's purely there for practice and emergency situations in games. He's always with the team. Practices, goes on the road. Uh, I mean, gets to eat filet mignon on the plane and live the life. But this player comes with a maximum contract limit of, let's say, 250 grand, whatever. Right. So, yes. you know, and realistically, I think teams you'd be paying this type of goaltender anywhere between probably like 75 grand to 250, depending on the quality of guy you get. But I envision this as being goalies who are kind of on their way out of the gate. ECHL goalies, American League goalies, even old NHL goalies. I talked to one NHL goaltender a year ago about this and he was all in and he thought this was the greatest idea. Like as a transition, you know, you're, you think you're done playing, but Hey, I'm going to stay in shape and maybe I'll do one or two years of this role as the bullpen catcher as the number three guy. I might not even play a game. Maybe I play a couple games. Maybe I just dress games, but it, it would give teams a goaltender that's always ready to go. You don't have to worry about calling somebody up from Charlotte to Seattle. Or, or, you know, like logistically, like you get in a cap bind. Okay, we'll pull this guy out. I've heard pushback saying, oh, the NHLPA would never go for that. You know, a guy on a low level contract, blah, blah, blah. Well, I look at it from the pragmatic perspective of, hey, man, like sometimes you need to do things that are for the better part of the game here. And you'd also be able to get an ex-player who wouldn't be playing at all anymore to still get paid and still be there. I don't know how that would work. I have no idea. This is just an idea. I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall. But if they could figure it out, Scott, it makes a lot of sense. Because GMs told, Bill Daly told Daly Faceoff, told our Frank Saravalli at the start of the year, that GMs are worried about getting a goaltender in if necessary, especially with COVID protocol. You could have two goalies go down with COVID and you're screwed. And if you got a third guy, you got a backup plan at least. So just my idea. You can go to dailyfaceoff.com and find that. uh, Talking about third goaltenders. But it's it's... Man, it would have been perfect for me. So it's a bit of a selfish play. I'm beyond that at this point. I'm not coming out of retirement. I don't but know if you are. You still look like I, you're in game shape to me. You know, so, but I, I oh, look at I'm see. I'm sitting here sweating. Like if people are looking at this, like <laughs> that's how into it I am. But uh, yeah, I, no, I'd like I'd like to see it happen. Well, and if it does, we're calling it the McKenna plan. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're, gonna put a, we're gonna put the little copyright thing on it. But it uh, will. It would be my second second inclusion in the CBA. We already have the McKenna rule when it comes to these. Jerseys. jerseys. <laughs> Every player now gets a jersey. And that, that's that was a pet pet project of mine that players didn't always get them. Now they get at least one. That's an important legacy. My Thank friend, you, everybody. Yes, <laughs> my friend, as always, a treat to hang out next week. We're going to do it again. So uh, make sure you uh, stay tuned to, to all the suitcases subscribe podcast mike have a great day good work by you and we'll we'll do it again next week i can't wait scott always the best moment of my week thanks for listening to the suitcase and the scribe a member of the nation network of podcasts and delivered by doordash make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.